welcome back to the Ball Girls podcast. So today I'm without Jordan again, but I am with Haley Graves. So Haley is part of Angel City FC, which is amazing. I'm super excited to talk about that and has done work for the XFL and football on Fox in the past. So thank you so much, Haley, for joining me. Yes, I'm so excited. We got the podcast of the Haley's today. I love it. Yes, I'm <laughs> super excited. So like I said, first, you worked at the XFL, and obviously it wasn't the ending anyone expected, but I know you tweeted out when the new ownership came out that it'll always have a special place in your heart. What did you like about working with that league that you think was different than any other league you've been part of? Oh, so the XFL was the perfect storm. It brought passion from the game of football and opportunity and entertainment. That's Really, it was those three things that I think is what made the league so successful. And for me, the reason I love sports and I'm in this industry is because I love storytelling and not just just your regular regular old stories of who wins a game. But I'm talking like I love getting to know the players and telling their stories because for the longest time, I've said that athletes many times have some of the most challenging stories that they overcome. And I think those are things that should be shared and celebrated because you never know who you're going to help. So when it comes to the XFL, that was a whole group of young men that for whatever reason didn't get their shake at the NFL or something fell through with the NFL, but they were still chasing after their dream. And I think anyone watching the XFL could see that that's what all of these young men wanted. They were going to work day in and day out to achieve their dream and nothing was stopping them except, well, you know, a pandemic that <laughs> hit that we never would have known was going to happen. But regardless, the XFL itself, that's what it was. It was passionate young men just trying to go after their dreams. And I was so lucky to be able to have a small role in telling their stories. No, it's amazing. I loved the XFL. Obviously, I'm so sad about what happened. I'm excited to see what their future holds as well. But right. it's a great league and everyone who was part of it did great work. So that's how I found out about you with your work, the Wildcats. But moving on now, like I said, you're with Angel City FC, which means so much to me. I played soccer my entire youth. So how does it feel for you being a woman in sport, working for a team that is so, obviously it's a women's soccer team, but it's so driven by women in sport, all the investors, you know, for the most part are women. What's it like being part of that culture? It is one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. And that sounds so cliche because it's, you know, it, it makes sense. It checks all the boxes. It's women-led. It's everything you could ever want in an organization. But I'm actually living it. So for me, growing up, I was always so intimidated by women. I was always a guy's girl. And I don't know if that's because it was my love of sport or, you know, and unfortunately, I got bullied really bad in school growing up. So large groups of women always terrified the hell out of me. And that's how I knew I wanted to work in sports because that was just kind of where I felt I fit in. And, you know, having Angel City to be such a massive group of very powerful women too is inspiring and encouraging for me. It shows me that we're really going in the right direction as a society where women no longer have to compete for one another to all achieve the same goal, that there's room and there's space for all of us. And, you know, it's really funny because even not only are we majority women own, we're majority women ran. So we only have two males on our entire staff out of probably 20 plus people. Okay. And it's, it's funny because now it's almost the roles are reversed. You know, if we 
do a presentation and you have images of our entire staff, right? Headshots of everybody. It's like, where's Waldo and finding the men? Whereas usually it's the exact opposite. And so that's something within Angel City that I'm even more proud of is the fact that we are all women-minded making this thing run and making this thing happen, trying to be the best representative for not only women's soccer, but just women in general. Um, and so that's really cool. And even, you know, last Friday, um, this is a little inside baseball here, I guess, but last Friday we had our first investor call with every single member that is investing in Angel City was all on a Zoom call. And it was one of these pinch me moments. I mean, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm geeking out a little, you have to, you know, and I have my phone down here, like taking screenshots because you have the likes of, I mean, Eva Longoria, Natalie Portman, who's in Australia right now, she still joined the call. Alexis Ohanian, who's in France with Serena, he was on the call. You have the likes of Mia Hamm, you have Abby Wambach and her wife, Glennon Doyle. You have all of these names and everyone that sees what Angel City can be all on one call, taking the time out of their day to listen to our staff and what we have planned for this club. And just seeing that collective I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now because it was that special to hear what they have to say. And that's what Angel City is going to be. And that's what's going to make it special. I love that. And I'm super excited to see them <laughs> on the field, eventually everything coming to fruition. But yep. I think working- 2022 <laughs> cannot wait. Uh, working there, it seems like it aligns with some of your views with your work with Galvanize. So I know <laughs> I've done work with Laura in the past. She's amazing. Yeah. But I want to hear a little more about your story with Galvanize too, because like you said, you know, you never really felt you fit in with women and right. you know, you, they intimidated you. And now you're part of this kind of sisterhood culture. And what do you think is most important about this sisterhood in sport? Right. So it's funny you bring up Galvanize. Um, I did my first boot camp with Laura back in 2017 with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I didn't do another boot camp until last summer, so 2019 with the Chargers. So that was a two-year gap in between there. In 2017, I was fresh out of college. I was trying to do, or what I thought, was anything and everything that could get my foot forward, get me noticed somehow, get more reps, do all the things. And what I really missed the mark on about that boot camp is how it was more meant to be about the women and the relationships there. And Laura Oakman does such an amazing job of telling us the value of maintaining and growing strong relationships. And I don't know if it was my pride or if it was my competitiveness, but I missed the mark on that first boot camp. It was great. I loved it. You know, it was very cool to be a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization for two days, you know, getting to do an interview with their rookie class. All of those things were awesome. And I, felt good about myself. I was like, I got this, but I would be lying to you if I told you that a little piece of me the whole time was sizing myself up to the other women in my room and trying to figure out, you know, who, who I compared myself to or who I needed to work towards to get on their level, you know, or who I thought that I was outshining. And that's not a healthy mental space to be in. And that's not what Galvanize is about. So it's hard for me to admit that now, but where I can admit it is because then two years later, after having so much more life experience just within two years, um, a lot of humbleness came out of it because of moving from Texas to Los Angeles and having a very difficult time finding a job when I thought, you know, I was 
one of the best candidates in the country coming out of college. I thought I did everything, thought I should get a job right away. And the real world smacked me in the face and made me stand up a little straighter. Um, and so when I went into the 2019 boot camp with the Chargers last year, my mindset was completely different. I was going there to build relationships and to lift up the women around me and to show them that there's room for all of us. And so I think that shift in my head over the past two years has really what's helped me the most in this industry because I no longer look at other women as people that I need to be better than or people that I need to compete against, but now I get to cheer them on. And a lot of that has come from, you know, the way Laura does her boot camps now. She makes it a space that's safe for us to be vulnerable. And I was able to open up and talk about things and talk about how women intimidate me and scare me and get to the root of why, you know? Um, so with that being said, the importance of sisterhood in this industry is probably more prevalent now than ever because finally we're having important conversations. Finally, it's not just cheerleading you from a professional standpoint. It's not just, you know, being able to see what other women in the industry are doing and having this relationship with them on social media and just being friends through Instagram and being like, man, what she's doing is dope. That's awesome. I'm so psyched for her. Like now it's the, the true part of the relationships are happening. We're having the conversations that have needed to be had for years and years and years to make all of our relationships with one another stronger and to make this sisterhood really withstand the storm of whatever's about to come at us because women in sports aren't going away. We're just going to keep growing in numbers and evolving and getting better at what we do and proving that we should be in this space just as much as men. And we should, you know, even deserve to be equal representation as them in this space. Absolutely. I agree. That kind of brings me to my next question too, because obviously as somebody who's worked in football so much, there's not a lot of women in football and even the Browns game that had a woman coach on each sideline and a woman ref, like the replies to the tweets, some of them are just so disgusting. And as somebody who's worked in football, what do you see still needed to be done in a space like that? That's so male dominated in sports. I think for me, it's always, and I mean, this could just be a little bit of a personal thing for me, but I think a lot of it just comes down to the men in the space not believing that because we are a woman that we can have the same capacity of knowledge for the sport that they have and you know that's been one of the things that growing up my entire life i've been proud about i can remember being in sixth grade knowing more about football than the boys and like going to battle about it like you know talking to them x's and o's and proving ever since i was 12 years old proving that I deserve to talk about sports because I knew what I was talking about. And I think that, you know, with the Mina Kimes in the world, she's doing a hell of a job proving that we can do this with, you know, the Cynthia Freeland, same thing. Like the women are no longer just talking heads to look pretty to extenuate the sport of football. We now know the game. We know what we're talking about. And with games like we saw on Sunday with the NFL having the Browns and the Redskins both having a coach, a female referee, Laura Oakman, of course, was on the sideline. Like women are now becoming a part of every facet of the game of football. And I think that's just something that men need to open their minds to and start to understand that, okay, women can do this too. And I think a lot of that evolution process is coming from these men having daughters 
And now their daughters have someone to look up to. Their daughters have someone that they can see themselves being. And, you know, every, every dad, whether they want to say it or not, that's a coach or a player, they want their daughter to love football just as much as they do. They want those moments of sitting on the couch and watching the game with her, you know, like whether they say it or not deep down, they want her to love the game as much as they do. And now she has the opportunity to, and to make a career out of it. So I think that is a little bit of the evolution, but also just like I mentioned, men being open-minded because that's, that's the kind of key to it all. And for us women to just keep, keep pushing their minds and keep knocking on doors because even I think it's awesome. Even seeing this year, you know, um, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, I want to say they, I saw something that they offered out scholarships to women for the first time ever. This is the first time a male sports club gave scholarships to women and to young girls. Um, you know, the Rams are doing a program where they have women interning within the organization in areas such as scouting. The Rams have the first director of football operations ever as a woman. In any, in any football capacity, right now the Rams have a woman as director of football ops and that's never been done before. So we're continuously pushing that envelope and we've got a long way to go, but I'm proud to know that we're slowly getting somewhere and we're, we're gaining ground. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why we're both here. Obviously, I'm here to learn from people like you, but you know, we're not going to stop by any right. means. But shifting from sports for two seconds, I know you also do work with AfterBuzz. Yes. So if you weren't working in sports, is that where you would want to see yourself working? Or tell me a little bit about how you got into that role as well. So AfterBuzz is an incredible organization here in Los Angeles, owned and operated by Maria Menounos and her partner, Kevin Undergaro. Um, what they do is it's, it's free for all, right? So you go through an application process, you submit a um, video application, and pretty much after Buzz for the first time, I've lived in Los Angeles for four years, and after Buzz finally was a place that I felt like I had a sense of community in LA. It was being surrounded by like-minded people, being surrounded by people that were hardworking, because after Buzz happened in the after hours. I know that's ironic to say, no pun intended there, but it truly did. In this last fall, I would go to work with the XFL nine to five, go do my normal job. And then I would drive from Beverly Hills to North Hollywood, which if you know that drive, it's for sure an hour. And I would end up getting there to After Buzz around seven on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I wouldn't leave until 11 p.m. or later, both times. So I wasn't getting home until close to midnight on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Um, and I loved every minute of it. I was hosting five shows for After Buzz. I saw more growth in myself than I ever thought possible. And I think that had a lot to do with getting reps. You know, we talk about making sure you get so many reps and ha- being in a space where people want to see you get better and believe you can. You know, when I first started off with After Buzz, my very first show I did was a This Is Us After Show. And for those listening, if you don't know what After Buzz is, pretty much you get assigned a show that you really like and you go and you watch the entire new season. Every week when there's a new episode, you watch the episode with your co-host. Then we go into the live studio with lights, cameras, stage, mics, all of that stuff. And we record a 45-minute live show to YouTube where we interact with guests that are commenting on YouTube and we do a 45 minute live show, just giving our reaction to that episode. And I started off doing this is us, loved it, grew to doing Grey's Anatomy, equally loved it. And then about in October, I had the opportunity to be the moderator. 
And so I got to even take on a new role. Whereas instead of just giving my thoughts and articulating, you know, how, what I thought about the show, now I got to facilitate the conversation. And so I got to really take my hosting to another level. And yeah, I give so much praise and credit to AfterBuzz. Even throughout the pandemic, they continued to keeping us running. We all switched to doing Zoom. They learned on their end, you know, how to make technology work with YouTube. And so we were all doing Zoom from our homes and then they really decided to give us more opportunity and expand on their website. So I got to write about 10 pieces of content that I really needed for their website and they were published pieces and they were picked up pieces. And I got to do interviews with the likes of people like Alex Caruso. Like he came on as a guest. I was the moderator for the last dance um, after show and he came on as a guest for us. And so it was those little moments that after buzz is truly so special right now, you know, given the pandemic, like everything else, it's up in, up in the air for where it's going to go from here. And I, and praying every day that it's going to survive and we will be able to get back to doing what we love most. And I mean, like you asked me, is that a space that I could see myself in? I never saw myself in, enter in entertainment. Would I deter from it? Absolutely not. Um, but, you know, sports is where my heart is. But I do admire one of my biggest role models in the industry is Carissa Thompson and how she's been able to navigate both the entertainment industry and the sports industry, do it flawlessly and kill both. So, um, yeah, I, I would never turn it down, but sports is where my heart is. Of course. And I love that you're so well-rounded because I'm the same way as much as yeah. I love sports. I definitely, you know, music's something that I love and I could see myself yeah. working in it, but sports is where my heart is. But yep. I have one last question for you. Yeah. Obviously you're still so young and you've accomplished so much and you're someone who's so driven still, you know, it seems like no matter how much work you're doing, <laughs> you're never satisfied. Are there still things you want to accomplish in the future that you haven't gotten to yet? Or, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing that I always talk about with anyone is just always continue to evolve and grow in your mindset because you never know as you get older, how you're going to change. And for me, it's funny, you know, whenever I get asked like, oh, when did you know you wanted to do this? When did you know you wanted to work in sports? And for me, it was at a very young age. I uh, grew up being born and raised a fine Texas Aggie, and I had season tickets to home football games since I was six months old. And around eight, seven, eight, nine, my parents always tell the story that whereas kids around us were would be playing games or coloring or things like that, I'm sitting in the stands asking my dad questions about what's happening on the football field. So I knew that I loved especially the game of football really early on um, and then you know in high school I had the opportunity we had a we had a broadcast class in high school and where you know you did live morning announcements and we got to pick up a camera and we got to edit that's how I learned what final cut was that's how I started getting editing experience and background is making silly commercial remakes with my friends in high school like it was it was a blast. And that was when I learned, you know, okay, I like to edit. I like to shoot. I like doing other things. But I always thought that if you're a woman and you're not physically talented enough to be a professional athlete, the only way that you could continue to work in sports was to be a sideline reporter. So that's what I set out to do. I said, I'm going to be a sideline reporter. I went to college with that dream. I worked for 12th Man Productions at Texas A&M, learning everything I possibly could, learning how to work a live camera for, you know, for TV, learning how to work everything I could in the control room. I ran graphics packages for Fox Sports Live um, events, for ESPN2 events, um, 
did everything I possibly could, but I still wanted to do more. And so that was when I received the opportunity to work with Texas A&M football program specifically. I learned about social media through that job. You know, that was right when the social media era started to boom within college athletics and especially football. I like to say I was a part of the first era, I guess, that started sending out graphics to like custom graphics to recruits because I mean, no one had done that before. And I was in college at the time that that became a thing and I learned so much about the recruiting side, you know? And so the reason I bring this up is because your brain's constantly evolving as to what you can do and to seeing the ceiling that you can just shatter. Because even after college, you mentioned at the top, I did, I worked for Fox Sports and that was the first job that I landed finally in Los Angeles. I worked the Men's World Cup for them as freelance freelance. Then they brought me on full-time to run the NFL on Fox social media account, which I did for the 2018, 2019 season. I helped out with college football on Fox. um, And then I finished my time up there working the women's world cup. So I got a lot of experience at Fox, but learned that I didn't necessarily want to be on the corporate side of things. Hence why then I went to the XFL back to the team side. Um, But what I did learn at Fox was I didn't just have to limit myself to viewing myself as a sideline reporter that I got to watch every single day. And I mean, every day I watched the herd. I watched undisputed. Like, I mean, every day because I began to find new role models in Jenny Taft and Joy Taylor and seeing how women can truly have that moderator and hosting role on these network TV shows. So coming full circle here, five years ago, you'd have asked me what I wanted to do. And I've told you, I want to be a sideline reporter. Don't care where, don't care how I want to be a sideline reporter. But now I've continued to evolve. And I more than anything, clearly, I love to talk. Um, And so and talking about sports is top of my list. So I that's where I that's where I want to go. I would love I don't even care, big, small, small market, large market, wherever. I just would love to have a platform as my next step to um, facilitate a conversation as a moderator, a host, or, um, you know, or be just a host myself on a major network network show, just talking sports. So that's, that's where I'm aiming. (laughs) Well, I can completely see you doing that. Like I said, you're already so young and already doing so much and it's just- Girl, I don't feel young. (laughs) Let me tell you, this industry has a way of making you not feel like you're doing enough all the time. (laughs) No, you are doing an amazing job. I love following your socials and seeing all the content you're always producing. So thank you so much for your time because I know you're even busy today and you made time out of your day to talk to me. So thank you so much and you're amazing and- I look up to you so much. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, we're all here. There's room for all of us. And I'm always here for you. Anything you need. I tend to be pretty good at graphics, you know, (laughs) anything you need. I'm here for you, Haley. Awesome. Thank you, Haley. Yep. Thank you. Hey, y'all. I'm currently editing the pod. It's 1.53 a.m. I realized I had a huge oversight when I recorded my half of the pod, but Haley's socials, Haley was amazing. Her Twitter is at Haley1Graves2, and her Instagram is at HaleyGraves with two S's. So follow her social. She's amazing. She puts out wonderful content. And have a great night. Hopefully y'all are sleeping because I'm not. Hey, y'all. So I apologize for this podcast being super late. That is a me problem. Nobody else. Um, and I know you're probably thinking, like, where the hell is Jordan? So after this episode, I think we're going to be on a little break. I promise it's not like a break and you'll never see us again. Um, but we've both got a lot going on, so we're trying to figure out the best day for us to record. First was Mondays, then it was Wednesdays. 
now and rather those days work. So we're trying to figure it out. Also, if you can see behind me, everything is empty because I'm moving. Um, people who are listening to this, not watching this podcast, I am moving. My living room is empty right now. So I'm like between looking for places and like trying to move all my stuff. So it's hectic. Obviously, WWE finals are right now. So I'm crazy busy doing that. Jordan has so much on her plate. She does so much work. It's insane. So that's where we're at. So I promise we're coming back. But I just wanted to give you a little update because I'm sure you're like, where the heck and Bob is Jordan? So moving on. Sports. Um, first of all, the love of my life, college football. She delivered. Texas lost already. Thank God. I'm tired of hearing the Texas is back. Texas is not back. Sam Ellinger, you know what? Great kid. Overhyped, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he'll obviously put up some great stats. He plays in the Big 12. They don't play defense. You're going to put up good stats when you play the conference or there's no defense. But every year, it's Texas is back. Texas is back. Texas is back. Texas has not been back. Texas will not be back. End of. Oklahoma lost. I'm still not over the incident from 2017, and I will never be over the incident from 2017. So, happy that Oklahoma lost. UCF finally lost at home, I think it was. Snapped like a 24 home game win streak or something like that. They're the worst. They don't even play in a P5 conference. Like that year when they were like, we were the national champions. You play in the AAC, okay? Like, tone her down, sweetie. Please relax. Now we just need Miami to lose and everything will be okay. Um, it's so funny, though, to me, seeing these teams like UNC and Boston College, and it's great to get their exposure. Absolutely. Their kids work hard and they're talented. That's not what I'm saying. But you know if the Big Ten and Pac-12 are in play, like, the Big Ten and Pac-12 are ranked right now, but only, like, four or five Big Ten teams are ranked. And I think only Oregon from the Pac-12. But once they get into play, they'll definitely shake up those rankings. Like, random teams from the ACC are ranked who would never be ranked regularly. So, love that. Love to see it. Love the college football action. Um, NFL action. My Seahawks. They literally can't win a game by, like, over 10 points. It has to be, like, eight maximum. And they're like, all right, we're calling them today. Um, it's ridiculous. Cam Newton tested positive for COVID. Obviously, um, there's the Titan Steelers game got postponed. It's definitely scary for athletes as well because a lot of people get heart problems and things like that after they can barely walk. So prayers up to Cam. You hate to see it. Um, as much as you can hate the Patriots, he's an amazing athlete, and obviously he just got there as well. So also nobody deserves to, you know, get COVID just because they play for the Patriots. No, as much as I'm not a fan either. I'm not going to say that. Um, yeah, WNBA Finals, game two ended a few hours ago. Um, the Storm are crushing it. One more win and it's theirs. Uh, the Aces are right there. I just feel bad because obviously if you have Liz Cambage, I almost said Liz Plum, Kelsey Plum, and Derek Hamby, it's a whole other ball game. And, you know, obviously you, you can't really dwell on those coulda, shoulda, what is I always say that because, yeah, obviously they're going to be a better team. They still got here without them, which is amazing, but they just don't have that well-rounded bench right now especially with Derek Hamby out. Of course, on the Storm side, they're missing Sam Whittacombe, but, like, okay, you still have Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, Alicia Clark, Natasha Howard, Joel Lloyd, and that's just your starting five. Then you've got Mercedes Russell, Jordan Canada, Epiphany Prince. Like, the Storm are so well-rounded. It's insane. 
Brianna Stewart putting up historic numbers, Sue Bird putting up historic numbers, and she's about to turn 40. You love to see it. Um, NBA Finals, the Lakers are also up 2-0. Obviously, they have to win two more and not one more. But Anthony Davis is a beast. Um, basically, the Nuggets only won one game in the last series because Anthony Davis had a bad night. Doesn't mean the Nuggets are not talented. And maybe with a few moves and a bit more years of cohesion and getting their team together, they will be a con title contender. But the Lakers are just unmatched. And even this comes from me, a Celtics fan. How can you hate on the Lakers and want them to lose the year Kobe Bryant died? Like, it just, <laughs> it seems like as much garbage has happened this year. If the Lakers win the title for Kobe, all will be well for like maybe one day. <laughs> um, soccer news you know my soccer greedy um arsenal didn't let me down they almost did they won two to one this team stresses me i should know they're funny enough never fails so obviously my name is Haley mcgoldrick my dad's name is david mcgoldrick there's a striker for sheffield united named david mcgoldrick and every time sheffield united plays arsenal david mcgoldrick scores I'm like dad what the hell stop it um but the best news so first, as much as we hate Tottenham, obviously North London Derby, I just like hate Manchester United more. Just like I feel like every soccer fan, unless you're a Man U fan, you hate Man U. They lost 5-1 to Tottenham, which is amazing. Um, obviously, Jose Mourinho was the Man U manager for a hot minute there, and now he's in Tottenham, so you love to see it. But if you thought that was the big deal of the day, honey, Liverpool, reigning champions Liverpool, lost 7-2 to two to Aston Villa. To Aston Villa. I read that and I was like, is this a joke? Like, did Jurgen Klopp just say, like, all right, pack it up, boys, we're sending out the U23 squad. Like, oh my god. And the thing is, the Premier League's been operating pretty normal. Of course, they had a really short time between the end of last season and the beginning of the new season, which obviously a lot of them are probably tired. But 7-2 from the reigning champions. Ooh, you don't love to see that. Oh, what else is it, like, going on in the world? Now, obviously, tennis, Leila Fernandez. We love it, a good old Canadian girl. I don't know if she's out or not right now, to be honest. But her and Jeannie Bouchard seem to do great things at the French Open. You love to see Canadian talent. Um, obviously, the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. You love to see it. Steven Stamkos, good old Canadian boy. Love it. Nikita Kucherov, great guy. Victor Hedman, love to see it. Happy for so many of them. Ryan McDonough. I, like two years ago when the Lightning made that really good run, I really wanted them and I thought that was their chance and they kind of blew it. So I'm really happy to see that they came back and they actually got it this time. So I love that for them. Um, I feel like I'm like completely missing like a huge sport and just like nobody's going to say anything to me. But baseball, I haven't been, I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't been following. I know my Yankees are chef's kiss, but um haven't completely been following the baseball playoffs, although a lot of people really like the new format of the three-game, you know, the wild card. Um, I think the Reds are already out, so sorry, Dad. You can't have the Lakers and the Reds. That would just be God-given too much. Obviously, um, when 
it's the World Series, I'll be paying more attention. But just with everything going on right now, NBA Finals, any like Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup, all that. Soccer, like I'm a huge soccer fan, so obviously I'm watching that. Um, there's just a lot going on. It's like sports were never gone. It's weird to think that there was like three months with no sports. And then June came and it was like, all right, she's slowly coming back. And now everything's back in full swing. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I can't wait to see it. Um, I just like, I feel like I'm blanking on something and I don't know what it is. I've touched on the NFL, touched on both basketballs. Anyone watching Australian rules football? I don't even know if that's on right now. <laughs> to be honest, I did actually, if anyone watches NRL or AFL, let me know and get me into it. I want to cheer for the Rabbitohs just because I love that name, the Rabbitohs. And I would like to get a little bit more into rugby, but I feel like just cheering for the All Blacks is just like a cop-out. You know, when you don't have an Appalachian team, it's funny because people are so possessive over Appalachians. Like, I'm like, yeah, I cheer for the Celtics. And people are like, why? Why? You live in Toronto. Well, I'm not from Toronto. And also I have an American dad who's a Lakers fan, so I don't know why I cheer for the Celtics. But I digress. Um, I don't get why people are always so defensive and possessive over those kinds of things. It's never really ever made sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I am um, – when you don't have a team like that and you're getting into, like, even for the WNBA, like – I was saying this when I was talking to uh, Elise LeHue. Like, it's hard for me because, like, with NWSL and WNBA, I want all of the women to succeed. And, like, there's so many favorite players I have on each team. You know, I love Asia Wilson. I love Diana Taurasi. And I love Arike Agumbale and, like, you know, Skylar Diggins-Smith. And I want to see great things from Sabrina Nescu. And I personally spoke to Bridget Carlton. She's amazing. I love Kianar. She's another great Canadian, like – Alyssa Thomas, how can you not love Alyssa Thomas? She had two torn labrums and a dislocated shoulder in the semifinals and was still putting up amazing numbers and took her seventh seed team to five games. Like, I don't know. I just want all the women to do well. Same with soccer is a little bit different. I don't have an NWSL team at the moment because there's just so many players and organizations. I love, love Chicago Red Stars. I also love Sky Blue FC. We love Elise. Um, Houston Dash. A lot of their players obviously are going overseas now. FA Women's Super League is easy because it's just here for Arsenal women. Like, it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I um, I would love to get more into, like, rugby and Australian um, rules football and all that. But it's hard to, like, kind of find an Appalachian, especially when there's, like, not really a player. Even, like, other leagues, like Bundesliga and Serie A and stuff like that. I like AS Roma. Um, I like Dortmund Borussia. I usually cheer for the underdog. For a second, I don't really watch that much um, La Liga. For a second, I was like, oh, Atletico Madrid, because they're not Real Madrid. Like, I hate Real Madrid. But same with, like, I don't really watch, like, a Ligue 1. Um, I would love to. I, one of my best friends, friends, like, she's one of my close friends, too, but she's living in France right now. Her boyfriend cheers for, oh, what's the team? The red and black. I don't know. I would have to look it up. But like, or like Lyon, um, Kadisha Buchanan plays for the women's team. So that would make sense. Obviously PSG, I do have a PSG jersey just because they're sick. And obviously how can you not love Mbappe and Neymar? But it's like, it kind of feels, unless you have like a real appellation, it kind of feels like a cop-out to just choose Bayern Munich or Barcelona or PSG. AS Roma, um, 
I don't really remember why I chose AS Roma, but I, uh, I do love their logo. Like I love the yellow and the um, maroon. I almost said green. I don't know why I said that. Um, but yeah, I um, obviously we don't get those leagues as much here, so it's harder to watch. We get a lot of Premier League, which I love, and Arsenal is just my team forever. I will hate on David Lujo. I actually had a customer at work today who was wearing an Arsenal shirt, and we were just talking back and forth, and I think he was kind of impressed. And he was like, Williams had one good game. I'm like, okay, Williams played four games. Just got a 25% success rate. That's a little bit better than David Luiz. I'm still president of the David Luiz hate club. Poor man. I feel like a lot of people hate him, but, like, he just – like, I get stressed out when he's on the pitch. And we shouldn't be paying somebody and extending them to 2021 when they do that. Aubameyang makes sense. Ozil, when he's not hurt, makes sense. Kieran Tierney, pay that man all the money in the world. I am obsessed with him. I'm Scottish, so I've been a Celtic fan since birth. I was a Celtic fan before I was ever an Arsenal fan. So Tierney's been my boy since the jump. And I love him, so I was, like, literally over the moon when Arsenal nabbed him. Like, it meant so much to me that my team was getting my boy. Like, B-H-O-Y, if you know, you know. Oh, yeah. So, I'm at that point where I'm rambling now. So, I'm going to cut it quits, but yeah. Once this episode's uploaded, there'll just be a slight break until Jordan and I figure everything out. But we promise we'll be back our supporters mean everything to us. We love doing ball girls. We love getting to do it together, doing a podcast with your best friend. A, you already have that chemistry, but B, like it's just like talking with your best friend about sports and we both love sports. So it is what it is, but we will talk to you guys later and we hope you're all staying healthy and safe and we will see you very, very soon. We promise. (laughs)